0: Good morning. The members of Faith Lutheran Church welcome you to the 8 a.m. broadcast of our worship service from the Faith Ministry Center Sanctuary. Today is March 26th, the fifth Sunday in Lent. Leading the liturgy this morning is Pastor Adam Bridgman. Preaching this morning is Pastor Aaron Rosenau. We will be following the Lutheran service book, Divine Service Setting 1. You can download a PDF version of the worship folder at faithfoxvalley.org. At the Watch and Listen tab, choose Worship Folder Downloads. We join the service already in progress.
1: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's good to be here as we continue our journey through through Lent, as we get closer and closer to the empty tomb, which just makes us happy inside. Um, today, we're going to talk about how Jesus shares with Peter how he is going to have to suffer and die. And that is not the way that Peter would have things come about. And Jesus is going to explain to him that he is making everything perfect through weakness and through sacrifice. Everything they would expect Jesus not to do based on what they have seen him do throughout his ministry. So it's going to be a hard pill for them to swallow. And sometimes it's hard for us to understand, too, how someone all powerful could lay down like a lamb to the slaughter. But that is indeed God's perfect plan of salvation. Uh, a few announcements before we begin our worship this morning. Um, sign up for our Lenten meal coming up. This it's our last Lenten meal this Wednesday. You can sign up online. I know there's a sheet out there. It is it is pizza. So if uh, hope to see you there. And uh, the, the meals have been getting a pretty good turnout. So we hope to see you there uh, for Easter breakfast, which. Is hopefully going to be at uh, CMC. We need four parents or four adult volunteers to help out with that. So get a hold of Mike Henning if you are interested in doing that. Uh, Monday Thursday is coming up fairly quickly here on April fourth, and our our early communion class will be having their first communion that day, which will be will be pretty cool because we just we just finished that yesterday morning. Um, as always, check your bulletin for times, dates, exact information that I will always get wrong. And we will, uh, it's not in your bulletin or your worship folder, but Clara Shover will be helping uh, John Peterson play the organ today, and she's... she's uh, done some pretty good things learning the organ. So it'll be pretty cool to hear her play a little later on. Uh, So that is all I have uh, as far as announcements go. So I invite you, as you're able, to please
0: rise for our first hymn. Our opening hymn comes from Lutheran service book number 435, Come to Calvary's Holy Mountain. Come to Calvary's Holy Mountain, sinners ruined by the fall. Here a pure and healing fountain flows for you, for me, for all, in a full perpetual tide, opened when our Savior died.
1: we make our beginning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Turn to me and have mercy on me as you always do to those who love your name. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought were deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the waters of holy baptism, you have been marked with the sign of the cross, sealed by the Spirit and called to go the way of humble service as a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
0: Our next hymn comes from Lutheran Service Book number 420. Christ, the life of all the living. Christ, the life of all the living. Christ, the death of death our foe who thyself for me once giving to the darkness darkest depths of woe. Though thy sufferings death and merit, I eternal life inherit.
1: Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross to atone for our sins and giving us examples of how to live, love, and serve others in this world. Help us, O Lord, to identify idols and lies in our lives and replace them with your truth found in Scripture. May our hearts and minds be renewed by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and magnify your holy name. Amen. All right, kids. It's time for our children's message. So come on up. Okay, we're getting closer and closer to where Jesus goes to the cross. And, you know, that's not a fun time for him. So I want to ask you guys a question. How many of you like superheroes? I see, I see you're trying to crack a grin. You've got, you've got to like, do you have a favorite? Iron Man? Not Captain America? Superman? Do you have a favorite? <laughs> Let me ask you this. What do superheroes do when the bad guys come? What do they do? Yes, ma'am. They fight. fight. I, that was the best answer I could have got to make my point. They fight. Do they, do they beat the bad guys up? Yeah. yeah. And sometimes they, the bad guys go to jail. And sometimes the bad guys go to jail. But they fight because they have powers, right? They're stronger than most of us regular people. Now, do you think Jesus is strong? Does Jesus have power? But yet Jesus is going to allow himself to be put on a cross. Would you do that? I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. That's okay. That's a good answer. I wouldn't either. In our gospel reading, Peter doesn't understand why Jesus, who has raised the dead fed all kinds of people with little to no food, then all these powerful, amazing things is going to let the Romans and the Jewish people kill him. Do you understand that? I don't. He's God. He doesn't have to let that happen. But yet, that was God's plan to save us from our sin. That he was going to lay down and let The bad guys do what they wanted to him. Doesn't make any sense, does it? He does the opposite of what we think a superhero should. He's got the power, but he doesn't use it. Wouldn't that be hard? If people were dragging you away and you knew you could, you were stronger than anybody, that you could use all your power to just throw them all down to the ground. That's what we would do. But that is not what Jesus did. He let himself be taken away. He let himself be crucified. And you know why he let that happen? For who did he do that? Yes. Us. Us. Exactly. He let all those bad things happen to him so we could go to heaven. Isn't that good news? And that is why we call the gospel good news. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for for saving us and for loving us and for allowing yourself to be crucified, even though you had the power to stop it. Help us to live our lives thankful for what you have done and giving you thanks every day by the way that we live. You have saved us by giving your life, and we are so thankful to you. And in your name we pray, amen. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. And our first reading for this morning comes from Romans chapter 12. Love must be sincere... Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with the people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Do not become, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what man can give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. This is the Gospel of the Lord. And as we are many members of one body, why don't we confess our common Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed? I believe in the God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He descended into hell and sits at the right hand of
2: God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge. You all know the story of Edmund Halley, right? Yeah, right? You don't know Edmund Halley? Anyone? Come on. Great mathematician, astronomer, lived in the late 1600s, early 1700s. Come on. Edmund Halley. Really? Perhaps the most famous comet is named after him, Edmund Halley. You know Halley's Comet last appeared in 1986? In 1696, Edmund Halley compiled compiled historical uh, descriptions of this comet that seemed to show up on a regular cycle every 75 or so years. And he was the first one to predict its return accurately. It would come back in 1759. That's why we call it Halley's Comet. But it's not actually Halley's greatest contribution to science. Halley was actually much more significant because he encouraged, edited, supervised, and financed a very important book called Mathematical Principles of Natural Philosophy. Come on, you know this, right? (laughs) Well, if not for Edmund Halley this book would never have been produced and the world would not have been exposed to the work of Sir Isaac Newton its author. Historians claim that Edmund Halley's contribution to Newton's work behind the scenes is among one of the greatest examples of selflessness in the history of science. Isaac Newton began almost immediately to benefit from the notoriety that came from his his understanding of science, his theories that he uh, articulated, and the publishing of his book. He grew in prominence while Halley received almost no credit at all. In fact, if not for being attached to the comets, his name would not even be remembered at all. The key is this. Halley did not really care who received the credit as long as the cause of scientific discovery was advanced. Now, wouldn't it be great if we saw a whole lot more of that in our world? I mean, instead of this spirit of self-importance and self-promotion, you actually had selflessness and self-sacrifice. Can you imagine? Right? Instead, we get this sort of every man for himself kind of a vibe everywhere you turn. So in politics, you get people who are touting their imaginary accomplishments at the destruction of everybody else, even allies in their own party get destroyed because they want to raise up their own name. Athletes find it necessary to constantly trash talk their opponents. But it's closer to home too. Husbands and wives who insist on always being right in every argument, no matter how much that costs their relationship. Each one of these examples and so many more, we could go on and on and on. Every example, I think a case of what Jesus said to Peter, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And the ways of men can be devastatingly destructive. You know, during World War II, the Japanese captured thousands of allied troops and put them into work camps, and they were actually often called death camps because the high mortality rate among the Allied troops as they died from harsh conditions and horrible treatment at the hands of their captors. And in those death camps, survival became everything. It actually led men to descend into jungle rules, if you know what I mean, a sort of dog-eat-dog mentality even among allies and friends, men fought. They stole from each other, cheated each other. Men would fall asleep on their packs and yet have them stolen right from under their heads at night. It was ugly with a every man for himself, survival of the fittest kind of philosophy. Actually, not all that different, right? than everybody else nowadays, (laughs) where you have cutthroat work environments. Everybody's tearing each other apart, trying to get ahead, get on the boss's good side. We have schools where kids bully and ridicule each other for the pettiest of reasons. And again, marriage is... Husbands and wives treat each other more like enemies than partners. In the midst of that rampant self-centeredness and in contrast to it comes the words of Jesus in Matthew 16. If anyone would come after me, what does Jesus say? You must deny yourself Take up your cross and follow me, which is pretty much 180 degrees opposite, right? The typical mindset of humanity. Deny yourself. Take up your cross, which means self-sacrifice rather than self-preservation. It's the opposite of the mind of the world. Which is one reason why we're in this preaching series right now during Lent. If you've been with us for a few weeks, you maybe have figured this out. That during our Lenten season, we're in a series that we just call Repent. Repent. Um, I like to say this series is all about a checkup from the neck up. Okay, (laughs) right? (laughs) A checkup from the neck up. Which is really what repentance is all about. I mean, in the New Testament, the word that's translated repentance um, is an English word that's translating a Greek word, metanoia. Metanoia. It's a compound word, meta meaning to change, like metamorphosis, it's to change form. But this is metanoia. And noia is the, the mind, the understanding, the thinking. So metanoia is a, a change of thinking, a change of mindset. Now, now really quickly, let me give you just sort of a little signpost of where we are in our series. There are five parts. This is, this is week five of our series, and each one basically talking about the, the sequence of repentance. So we started off the series reflecting on our lives, even understanding that we have to look into the law of God as as ugly as that makes us look, it, almost like looking in one of those reflecting mirrors. Remember that sermon? Uh, re- looking at the, the magnifying mirror and reflecting on the, all the blemishes and ugliness of our life. Repentance begins with reflecting and recognizing that we've gone astray. If God ha- would have us going this direction, recognize that we're going the other direction. And then the following week, we talked about regret. Not only reflecting on the fact that I'm going the wrong direction, but I regret it. That's remorse, or what you might call contrition, sorrow over our sin. Two weeks ago, the theme was reverse. Reverse. This is actually the heart of repentance. The change in course, and about face, going from sin back to God. Reversal. But turning back to God is not the end of repentance. Repentance would be incomplete if we repented, but then had every intention of just going right back to our sin before. So last week I was over at our celebration site preaching and I mentioned a certain friend of mine who has admitted openly that when he was in college he would go to church on Sunday mornings after partying on Friday and Saturday nights where there was underage drinking which he participated in. And he would go to church on Sunday mornings and Repent, right? Receive the forgiveness all while in mind, while he's repenting, he has in mind looking forward to the party in the next Friday and Saturday. Every intention of going right back to what he had been doing. Now he acknowledges that that's just wrong. (laughs) That's not true repentance. It's not true repentance if you have every intention of going right back to your old ways. So last week we talked about that next part of repentance. There's reflecting, regretting, reversing, and then removing all of the old junk. All that stuff that keeps us on the wrong path. The habits and the attitudes that represent the wrong way. So we looked at Colossians chapter 3. St. Paul says, put to death death, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Paul says, you used to walk in that way. Now you must rid yourselves of such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Remember this last week if you were here, if you were joining us for worship, you heard this from Colossians chapter 3. Well, Paul also says in, in Romans chapter 12, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. So we reflect, we regret, we reverse, we remove. And the flip side of that is this week, and that is replacing it all, replacing it all with the positive, the godly traits that God calls us to. Removing the sinfulness, replacing it with the good. Now, according to psychology today, turning away from bad habits is not just about stopping a bad habit, but even more about substituting good habits for the bad habits. (laughs) So it's not just, you know, you don't just exchange one bad habit for another, you know, you give up smoking but trade it for eating sugar, right? That, that would be no good. Or, you know, I want to give up time on my phone because I spend way too much time on my phone, but you just trade that for sitting in front of the TV, one screen for another, one bad habit for another. It's not that. No, you have to break unhealthy patterns by substituting with healthy habits, replacing negative attitudes with positive. So repentance is is made complete when you're replacing the old ways with new, good ways. Getting rid of the selfish and turning to godly ways. To the way of Christ. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Pastor Adam said this really, really well in the children's message. If you're a superhero, you're going to fight. You're going to be dominant. And you're going to destroy your enemy. But Jesus takes an opposite approach. He actually allows himself to be defeated. This is the way of the cross. To be crushed. When he has every bit of power to stand strong and to be victorious, he allows himself to be crushed. Which he does for us. Because what we deserve when we are going the wrong way, when we have sinned against God, what we deserve is to be utterly crushed by God's judgment but instead Jesus Christ takes the judgment so we don't have to he took the punishment for us and he calls us to do the same to be selfless self-sacrificing and self, instead of self-preserving now that's a that's a difficult path but the way, of, like when we turn away from worldly ways and ungodly ways to godly ways, we're actually called on to replace our selfish habits with selfless ones. But thank God, we have a divine helper along the way. Anybody glad that God has given us the Holy Spirit? <laughs> because apart from the Holy Spirit, we have, would have no power in ourselves to do this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us that the Spirit's work is to transform us into the Lord's likeness with ever-increasing glory. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing, transforming us into Christ's likeness with ever-increasing glory, which is to say that day by day, the Spirit is molding and shaping us to be more and more like Christ. It will never be perfect The side of heaven, not even close. We will, because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, we will turn back to our old ways and to selfish ways. But the spirit of God is working repentance in us to reverse course, to remove the sinful desires and replace them with godly behaviors instead. And that work can have profound impact. Let me, let me return to the Japanese death camps for a moment. Those death camps where even friends fought each other to survive. In one of those Japanese POW camps, the culture changed. This is one of those groups that helped to build the famous bridge over the River Kwai. They said that the change came because of one man. His name was Angus McElroy, McElroy excuse me. Angus McElroy, Scottish soldier. Angus McElroy was one of the strongest men in camp. Everyone expected that he would be the last one to die because he was so strong. So everyone was shocked when Big Angus died how he died changed the culture of the camp the Scottish soldiers had a buddy system your buddy was known as your mucker and your job was to make sure your mucker survived and Angus took that job very seriously but his mucker was dying Everyone else gave up on this guy. He was good as gone. But McElroy didn't give up. When someone stole his mucker's blanket, Angus gave him his own, telling his mucker that he had just come across another one. At mealtime, men stole Angus Angus McElroy's mucker's rations, but Angus gave him his own. He did everything and anything to help his buddy recover. And he did. But as Angus's mucker recovered, he himself collapsed, slumped over, and died. And the doctors determined that it was because of starvation, complicated by exhaustion, He had been giving his mucker everything he had, everything of his, at the expense of his own life. And I say that Angus McElroy's acts of love and uh, unselfishness had a profound impact on the whole compound. Word spread of what he had done, and suddenly men began to follow his example. They began serving each other instead of competing for resources. They even built a church they called the Church Without Walls, which was so powerful and compelling that even the Japanese guards joined them for worship at their church. They created a hospital, a library system, even a university. The place was transformed. It was a turnaround, sparked by a shift in attitude, a change of thinking, a true repentance. Greater love has no one than this, Jesus said, than that he lay down his life for his friends. This is, first and foremost, the love of God in Christ. And then Paul says in Romans chapter 2, God's kindness leads us to repentance. That kind of selfless act of our Savior Jesus will turn our hearts and change our minds by the power of His Spirit away from self interest to self sacrifice. Amen. continue our worship with the collection of our offering. And as we are collecting our offering, we'll sing this great song, Come Follow Me, the Savior Spake.
0: Come Follow Me, the Savior Spake comes from Lutheran Service Book number 688. Come Follow Me, the Savior Spake. All is my way abiding Deny yourselves, the world forsake. Obey my call and guiding. Obey the cross, whate'er betide. Take my example for your guide.
1: Bite you to rise. Merciful Father, we offer with joy and thanksgiving what you have first given us: ourselves, our time, and our possessions, signs of your gracious love. Amen. As God's beloved children, let us cast our cares on Him trusting that our Father in heaven hears us and answers us according to his good and perfect will. Gracious God, you desire not the death of a sinner, but that all would repent and live with you eternally. Have mercy on all those who resent you, those who persecute Christians, and those who do not confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. By the Spirit, convert the lost. And enable us to be humble messengers of hope and love by the ways in which we live out and share the gospel. Gracious God, you have instructed us by your holy word on how to treat others, even our enemies and those who persecute us. Lead our enemies to true repentance and help us to forgive all those who have wronged us. By your Spirit, help us to take up our cross and follow Jesus' example of loving others, even enemies. Gracious God, you have called leaders in your church to preach and teach in our churches, schools, and universities. Inspire and protect all our church workers and laity who serve to educate and enrich the faith of others with their gifts. By your Spirit, help them proclaim your truth with confidence and conviction and defend your church from error. Gracious God, you have provided us all with special callings and convictions in our lives. Help us to understand how you desire each of us to utilize these gifts according to your will. By your Spirit, guide and direct the way in which we use the time and talents that you have given to us. Gracious God, You have created families to be the foundational unit of society. Guard our homes and protect our families from Satan's attempts to break up and destroy the significant relationships in our lives. By your Spirit, help us to show love instead of anger in our families and replace all bitterness with reconciliation. Gracious God, Thank you for providing a way to everlasting life when our bodies wear out. Comfort all those who mourn the recent loss of a loved one, especially in our prayers this morning. We remember the family of Mark Drager, Marilyn Drager's son, who was called to his heavenly home this past week. We ask you to be with Marilyn as she misses her son, but ease her her grief with the knowledge of the resurrection and the hope of the empty tomb and the return and promises of Jesus, but walk with her in her grief. Replace our grief and fear with wholehearted trust and devotion to you. By your Spirit, comfort all who mourn with the glorious hope of the resurrection and life eternal. Gracious God, sometimes our bodies get torn down by sickness and disease and we need you to strengthen us and restore our body, mind, and spirit. Today, we entrust into your loving care those who are suffering physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Especially in our prayers this morning, we remember Pamela Bartell, Bill Van Elzen, Jerry Reichert, Jennifer Klein, Edith Krieger, Sadie Bodenbach, and Cheryl Brown. We ask you to heal them according to your gracious will and grant them healing, restoration, and wholeness. By the power of the Holy Spirit Pray. grant them peace and knowing that you are there so every step of the way. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of marriage and those who were joined together with promises centered in you yesterday, right here. We thank you for the marriage of Jenna Hartfield and Jeffrey Benz, who were married here yesterday. We ask you to give them many years set together, centered in you, and to be with them as they start their life together. We also ask you to be with those who all think of the prayers in all of our hearts and be with those in our ongoing prayers. Into your hands we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy and your promise to hear us for the sake of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We're bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we have those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you all with favor and give you his peace. Amen.
0: Our closing hymn today comes from Lutheran Service Book number 425, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. We thank you for joining us for today's worship service from the Faith Ministry Center of Faith Lutheran Church. The members of Faith Lutheran Church invite you to join us for any of our worship services. We would enjoy sharing the time with you. For additional worship times and education times, please visit the website at faithfoxvalley.org. Any communication regarding this broadcast can be directed to Stephen Moore, Director of Worship, Faith Lutheran Church, 601 East Glendale Avenue, Appleton, Wisconsin, 54911. Until we meet again, may the Lord bring you peace.